everybody. Welcome back to the Street and Lawn podcast. I am Zach here today, joined by Caroline, as we're going to be talking a little bit of lacrosse uh, as the season kicks off this Saturday, February, who I'm blinking, 11th, I believe, uh, at <laughs> noon right. against Michigan. Um, and, and we're going to be trying to do this podcast roughly on a bi-weekly basis um, throughout the season to, to add a little more lacrosse content to the feed. Uh, but first of all, Caroline, how are you doing today? Hi guys, thanks for having me. I'm yeah, excited to be course. back. Yeah, I say guys, of... like it's just not us talking to each other about legs. Yeah. Legs. We're just taking the the text messages to the audio waves here. Yeah, we figured if we're going to be at every game, we're going to be talking about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We might as well make content out of this yeah. in some shape or form, some way, shape or form. Um. So with that, uh, you know, we're going to start with a little roster preview. Go through sort of positionally. If you're looking for this in a text format with depth chart stuff i put that up on the website this is probably going to go up tuesday but it went up monday uh so that's up on the website if you want to read that there's going to be more content coming from me on streaming line on the blog but uh i guess we'll start just sort of like general thoughts on the roster it's very experienced bringing every starter back except for matt moore bringing depth in via transfers a lot of very good freshman class caroline more general thoughts of on on this team yeah, I don't generally like to make statements like this. <laughs> yeah. But when you look at this roster, this is a team that you would expect to compete for a national championship. Like, yeah. this is not like a, let's see how far they can, you know, let's just making the tournament or winning the ACC. Like, this is a right. team that realistically has the pieces that it needs. It has pieces that are still there from the 2021 title. Um, I think last year still tough, you know, they had their issues last year, um, and got a tough draw with facing Maryland as early as they did in the, in the, in the postseason. But I don't know if anyone was beating Maryland the way Maryland played last year, which pains me to say. Yeah. Um, but this is a roster top to bottom that has experience. It has, um, not just experience, but good experience. It has a ton of skill, um, when you br- return the inside lacrosse number one player in Connor Schellenberger, when you return the, you know, um, presumptive favorite for Toraton starting the season in Connor Schellenberger, that's flanked by a criminally underrated Peyton Cormier um, and former, what, was Shutz number one yep. in his class? In- incoming freshman, yeah. Yeah, and then the number one incoming class um, plus – arguably the best face-off guy virginia's maybe ever had or in the yeah. discussion at least plus probably yeah a really good uh second year goalie plus the starting close defense including a guy like kastner that has been just an absolute delight story from walk on to preseason all-american this year yeah. um it's hard not to look at this roster and have huge expectations Andy Thurman, i think arguably one of the best coaching staff in the country. So yeah. um, it, it's hard not to look at this roster and get pretty excited. Um, like we said, there's, there's transfers coming in. There's, we'll talk about each position group different, um, you know, together, but um, like McConvey in himself should get everyone super stoked. This is a midfielder that came from Vermont that scored what, 70 goals. I think it was goals? 70. It was between 60, 60 and 70. Yeah. 60 goals and 14 assists, I think is what it was. So he had 74 points from the midfield, um, which, I mean, just looking at the stats from last year for a team that scored a ton of goals. Um, and Vermont's be, no slouch. Like they, no. They, it's not, this isn't, I mean, maybe it's second tier, but it's, it's second tier D one lacrosse. It's, it's not farther down. No, than that. Vermont's had upsets and they're a good, they're a good squad. It's just yesterday. When you think of like the perennial favorites, Vermont's not in there at the last stretch of those or right, anything. But right. when you look at a guy like Peyton Cormier, who led Virginia in, in goals with 50 on attack, this is, and not only that, I say Peyton Cormier because he was the leading scorer for Virginia uh they're also bffs like yeah. they grew childhood up together. friends yes. childhood friends um there's gonna be a lot of uh i think synergy there and like i'm not saying that i, I would be shocked if mcconvey got anywhere near 60 goals this year yeah. uh, just because that's extraordinarily different di- sorry extraordinary different extraordinarily difficult it's been a while um, since you're on this podcast on- you gotta get you gotta <laughs> i get, know right yeah. 
it's like three o'clock it's like that afternoon lull no um it's really hard to do and it's especially hard to do when there's as many offensive uh weapons as virginia has right um so speaking of the offense uh we'll start there um we'll start start specifically with the attack you mentioned schellenberger i think the presumptive sort of assumed number one player in college lacrosse yeah there's other yeah. guys up there absolutely sam hanley brennan o'neill yeah blah, um, blah, 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 blah. you know it's connor uh right so you have connor schellenberger redshirt jr tons of experience national cham- championship experience matt moore is gone though right and sort of like yeah. that's the this was connor's offense last season i think we can say that like moore was definitely he was the, he was the second quote-unquote quarterback but he was he was second like you know that that was very much the case it was Connor's offense and then everybody else that is still very much true this year you brought up Cormier those two guys will be starting on attack that is known the third spot more spot I think is up for debate and it's not necessarily a question of is there somebody good enough well Matt Moore is a great player it's you're not going to be able to reproduce the leading scorer in Virginia lacrosse history but those two guys in Xander Dixon and Griffin Schutz sort of competing for that spot. What do you see sort of the difference between them and, and what each of them brings? Well, it's a tough spot because both the guys you just mentioned, Xander Dixon and Griffin Schutz are outstanding players. They also yeah. are heavily more goal scorers than they are assist guys. So as yeah. you look at Xander last year, 31 and eight, he's to me the um, go-to finish on the crease, flashy, fastest stick work you'll ever see type guy. Um, and shuts was 23 goals, seven assists. Again, that's a really great number. Um, but you're looking at a guy who can kind of barrel through, he can face dodge someone he can use, get his giant frame going downhill and beat people. Um, so two very different skill sets and especially even what you're going to get from Peyton or Connor. And so when you look at losing the 26 assists, like Matt Moore scored 26 goals, we also dished out 26 assists. And I think that's the thing that I'm going to be looking more for like who can fill some of that crisp passing role because that's one of the things that that Matt was so underrated in and and led to his success on attack because when he moved to attack from midfield and he had played attack before but that move was kind of like what really stood out to me that first season he did that was just how good of a passer he was yeah so like where does Virginia find those assists and I think that those guys all the guys that we've talked about are capable passers and they're capable assist guys and if there's anyone that can get the most out of players it's going to be Sean Kerwin um but honestly and this is such a cop-out answer but it's this team is going to feel much more like 2019 in the sense that you're going to have probably four or five guys that are going to at any point quote play be on the attack like oh, they're going to be on the field yeah. in the sense of like they're the ones that are behind their streaming line whatever and they will rotate tons of looks through um from the midfield line through the box like this could be a situation i'm trying to think what the other season was was it 2011 where they did a lot of this too where it's like there weren't there weren't three midfielders on at any given yeah. point down the no, second 2011, half of that team. And, and, and 2011 didn't really have a third attackman. It was like, a, it was O'Reilly. It was Matt White. Right. Um, I was eight that season. So I'm going a while okay. back. All right. Memory. Easy buddy. <laughs> uh, no, I'm saying in the sense like, cause it did a similar thing. You're right. No, they yeah. would bring in, they right. would run Matt Especially, White. Especially, I mean, after, after the Brattons, midfield, after right. the so they, Yeah. Yeah. So they had two midfielders two first line midfielders and they'd run a third the third midfielder quote unquote was an attackman so they had four attackmen on the field at any time and i think that that's probably closer to what we'll see this season not necessarily 2011 but again like we're going to get any number of um attack related players running through this this offense you know like i think there's a few um i'm trying to find make sure i find the right one that they're actually going who are they redshirting for sure uh they're redshirting Terenzi mm-hmm. Sunderland uh, Truett Sunderland I believe he's number two in the incoming freshman rankings he's the guy that that'll be playing for them Joey Terenzi's sort yes. of a more uh Ryan Conrad type player and and um yep. this is per Lars Tiffany on the UVA website anyone can go read basically on their roster they 
Lars has blurbs for each player. Yep. So Terenzi is a guy that they're planning to redshirt just because of the ridiculous midfield depth, yes. which we'll get to. Yes. Um, but yeah, yep. Sunderland's another guy that could fit in an attack. I think the difference yeah. between and Schutz, Colsey, I think, is another one that yeah, Colsey's like could like see a bit there of, are a lot he's of a big guys. he's a big kid too, right? Um, and his younger brother is the number one overall recruit class of 2024, which Excellent. UVA has yeah, yeah committed. Um, <laughs> I think the difference between Schutz and Dixon is Schutz probably provides more initiating from attack. Yes. Like he's probably going to be yes. able to dodge a pole and beat him. Xander, yes. on the other hand, brings that energy as a rider and, and that speed yes. and that quickness. And not that Schutz do- doesn't have speed, quickness, or commitment to it, but Xander is just so crafty. I mean, he had... I think he's had two or three of those like goals where he's standing in front of the goal, he yeah. touches it w- with one hand yeah. and then just dunks it in. Um, and so I think, I think they're going to rotate like they did against Navy yeah. oh, um, in their first yeah. scrimmage. And so I think that they're going to rotate those two guys simply because it's just a matter of, as you brought up, it's just a matter of who's on the field the whole time. And yeah. I, I think that like, maybe that's why Xander if he wasn't as good of a rider as he is, I don't think this would be as much of a conversation just because like he can create so much havoc and, and cause turnovers yep. in that 10 man. Um, Griffin Schutz is also like 6'2", 220. So there's a lot <laughs> yeah. of things that can happen. Um, but I think that like that dynamic is is really interesting and sort of seeing how they're going to use that again, because this is basically positionless lacrosse offensively. It doesn't hugely matter to the scheme. Um, but it does matter to sort of like, is shots going to be initiating from the alley? Or are they going to try and use him at X, which they did in, in fall ball some, especially when Connor was like trying out for Team USA and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and so that's sort of like the first question mark on the offense. It's still the same personnel, though. And well, I think-, I think that they need the the thing for me is in, in talking and in talking to um, Sean Kerwin for a story that, that he made the good point. It's similar. I think um, I think actually. I don't know if this is going to make people mad or not. I think Robert and I said something similar when they oh, were Jesus. talking about having like Keaton well, and um, yeah. like, you know, these guys that they dubbed football players. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically comes down to who would I feel like an idiot seeing next to me on the sidelines, like yeah. while I'm coaching. The, like, like if I look over and see so-and-so like, and I'm like, why are they not in the game? Like that's kind of think of how some of it's going to end up going. And the nice thing is, it obviously having all this depth allows for trying different things out and rotations. But one of the things that will be important that I think shuts can do better. Yeah. Probably better than any of the other guys we listed in those top, top three, four. Yeah. And yes, even Connor perhaps, um, or similar to, depending on where they are in the field, Virginia needs to be able to dodge defenders yeah. and, and make a defense slide. Like yes. you have to be able to, and so I say they have to be able to dodge defenders in the sense that they have to do that so that it will force defenses to slide mm-hmm. so that they have the ability to move the ball and find the open guy, which is something that I don't think that they did particularly well last year. And that's one of the reasons that they struggled against like a Maryland. Like if a, if a team with really good defenders, that's what I should say. And they're going to play a ton of really good teams this year. This schedule, we'll get to the schedule, but the schedule is fire. Yeah. Um, so if you're facing a Duke, if you're facing a Notre Dame, if you're facing Maryland, all of which teams that they're playing that have strong individual defenders that can cause problems for you, yeah. you have to be able to either dodge them and score, take your own man one-on-one and do that, or you have to be a threat to do that where they're going to slide and open more things up. And so this isn't to say I don't think they have the guys to do that. I think that they absolutely 100% do. Um, but that's something that early on I think will be important for Virginia to establish that they can, you know. Yeah. And, and we've seen Connor do it. We saw Connor in his first season. Yeah. Um, I think Connor is sort of as most – offense in sort of like this generation of lacrosse is often dodge down the alley give it to your guy at x and then have him dodge when the defense is already moving because he's going to be able to capitalize on that and so the question is do you want shuts to be the guy coming out of the box dodging down the alley and he's very he has both a very good shot on the run and he's very crafty with angles (laughs) for a big guy to the point where you have you can't just play the angles with him you have to send somebody to help yeah. Um, and then can all of a sudden throwing the ball to Connor through X, or do you want shots and Connor playing together sort of behind the goal? There's a lot of yeah. different things There's that Sean Kerwin can do. So many options, which is what's so exciting. 
One name we have not mentioned and sh- probably should have by now is Jeff Connor, who's going to be ah, this. Yeah. Well, I was like, I was guy. like trying to figure right. out we've, if we we're named still talking about midfield people. now. Are we, right. are we doing midfield yet? Like, I think, that's yeah, the... we'll move to midfield. <laughs> okay. Because <Yeah. laughs> I was going to say, Connor is also a very good assist man. Yes. And he's a guy that has just, I think, continually, he has that work ethic and that desire to improve himself that, like, I know that coaches love to see and all that stuff. And every year, I think that he's just become more and more consistent consistent and such a threat that he's going to be one of the top midfielders in the country in my opinion yeah no easily and I mean he is the do-it-all midfielder that it seems like UVA at least under Lars has always had um he's the Ryan Conrad he's going to be on face-off wings he's going to be going up and down back and forth he's going to be playing man down and man up um he's going to be everywhere and I think that he fills out that top six I think I think it's pretty obvious the top six offensively is Schellenberger, Cormier, Schutz, Dixon, McConvey, Connor. Not to say that the other guys aren't going to contribute, but yeah. I think that those are probably the six most experienced, six most skilled players on this roster. And that top six is with the amongst the best in the country. Yeah, if not number one. Every think- single one of those guys can score easily, like three goals a game. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. No. Exactly. I don't think Connor will be there. Like Jeff Connor, Connor yeah, Connor just, and like, but just we like, call he him has like the capability or something. Yeah, we need to. He like, has yeah. the capability to get out there and put out a game where he's got four goals and two assists. I think. Mm-hmm. Like I, I will, if he doesn't have a five or six, multiple five or six point games this season, I will be shocked because he's just, he's he's a super talent. He's a ground ball machine too. Like he's I a one man clear. Like he's he, he truly can um, do it all in the lacrosse field, and I think. Probably if you're going to say like, what's the quote unquote key for this offense is finding that second initiator, second passer, or a collection beyond Connor Schellenberger, because, you know, in the two recent national championships for this program, it's been in 2019, you had Michael Krause on attack, Doc Saken up at midfield, and then Matt Moore emerged into probably the best player on the offense, despite the fact that he was, get, he was getting the second pole. He was being able to sort of compliment Kraus behind the net. Then you had Schellenberger to Moore in 2021. Who is that guy this season? Is it shots? Is it like, who, who, who else? Is it McConvey? Is it, how can you find other ways to produce that aren't just through your number one option to Orton finalist? Because that's how you can really put teams in a pickle um, because not everybody has a top two sort of close defenders and, and having six threats means that you can exploit the short stick matchups. And, and I, I think that this offense has the potential to do that with a lot of guys, but it's just sort of who steps up. Well, and I also think looking at it, you know, if you're looking at the roster and it's always hard to, cause like they just put all midfield together, like who's going to spend most time like yeah. being, you know, cause I think they even have Will Corey actually, Will Corey Not Danny um, Parker. listed as attack. And yeah, Danny Parker yeah. is a defensive midfielder, um, which should help me figure out which one's which better. Did you see they, they posted um, the GIF of the two of them? I didn't I send it to you, but I swear that it's just for those listening, every single time I somehow in my head get Danny Parker and Will Corey mixed up. Like I'm always like, oh, number eight, that's Will, that's Will Corey. And it's always Danny Parker. It's always those two, and I cannot explain it. I cannot get it out of my head. But I think what will be extremely important is who we're seeing and what production they can get out of a second line midfield yeah. so like mm-hmm. what are we going to get out of peter garno um chismar did mostly offensive midfield chismar is defensive dang see listen i'm like this he was in, hi- in high school he was two-way but, yeah but they converted him um so yeah i mean for second midfielder you're looking at garno you're looking at sunderland um there are names that are currently escaping me um oh, i think will well, Enderley could he, yeah a bit of a surprise i mean wearing number six he has to be you know at some point (laughs) but there's also the two lefties in thomas menke and patrick mcintosh who i think are probably two underrated guys yep um but mcintosh was getting first line runs with the midfield against navy i believe when they were swapping dixon and um shots and then they one of them just like wasn't playing with the midfield um and then Menke, I think he read, he might have redshirted last year, might have been banged up, I think. Um, but redshirt freshman, I think those two guys are, are sort of amongst that top 10 or so offensively. Yeah. Um, someone for inside lacrosse, I'm, I'm blanking on the name, is doing reporting from that Navy game. I think um, that was uh, Christian. That he was doing Georgetown. He did Georgetown? Pat- Patrick McEwen. Oh, Patrick McEwen, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, and so I was going through like, 
I was on like Discord, the Insider yeah. Cops Discord server, yeah. like trying to see what people are saying. But I think Macintosh and and Menkey are probably, and especially, I mean, they did this some with Bertrand and Cormier, um, and they did it with Krauss and Cormier back in that 2020 six game season. But running those two man games on the right side of the field or the lefty strong side of the field, you know, it, where Cormier would typically set up, even though he's typically on the crease, but in a traditionally across offense sort of running two-man games with picking on that side of the field with Menke, McIntosh, Cormier, and McConvey could be and will be, I'm quite certain of, uh, a feature part of this offense just because you have sort of that Canadian influence with McConvey, yeah. with Cormier, and that's something that Kerwin has, you know, sort of emphasized in the past and, and used in the past. And so having four lefties uh, in yeah. sort of your, like, offensive rotation is something that's valuable. It'll help them on man up, no doubt. Um, and so I think that like those two guys are probably names under the radar. Will Enderlead is is interesting because he's another big body who can get going downhill. Yep. Seems like he's maybe still a step away. Um, we're still like, you know, getting there, but but that's that's another young guy that, that didn't really get a chance last season that that could in the coming years. Well, we haven't even talked about my guy yet. So now yeah, I was, I was gonna time. let you I was gonna let you <laughs> uh Ricky Mizan um coming in transfer grad student from Stanford football so for those of you listening that haven't you're like what um he Ricky was the number one recruit in the 2018 class for lacrosse was committed to Carolina um he hadn't played football before until uh technically he didn't make the team play sorry he didn't try out before june fall junior year yeah. of his high school uh career and he's 6'2 235 he got an offer to go play for stanford and was like this is my absolute dream i've got to try it um and so he went out and he was out there for five years and then entered the transfer portal as a do not contact which basically means the players get to decide like what they want to do um and he reached out to virginia and was like i want to come play lacrosse for you and they were like okay <laughs> so um sounds, good. sounds like a plan um and so you know for those concerned like well he hasn't played lacrosse in five years no he has not however um it's uh and you know, I've got a story coming out soon on for the win on Ricky and his journey, which I had a chance to talk to him and coaches and it was really he's one a super good dude. So um immediate culture fit, I think, with Lars Tiffany and um the the team and uh, there were some great side stories about like a couple of the first years being like, Oh man, what was it like playing against Caleb Williams? You know, like, <laughs> that is cool. And this guy, he was I think I think uh, fourth team or honorable man. I think they do went down to fourth team. All Pac-12 for linebackers. So he, he was, you know, he, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm playing up. Two-year starting inside linebacker. Yeah. yeah, and he learned again. This is one who hadn't played until his junior year of high school. Um, and both, you know, his former um position coach and now in talking to current coaches at uva we're like he's a sponge all he wants to do is learn as much as he can as fast as he can and so the plan is you'll see him and he played in the preseason in the scrimmages um in the plans so he'll be an offensive midfielder they hope to get a reg uh waiver for next year so we'd play another season yeah. um but he's a big body that has a huge shot that I think as the season goes on, it's, it's I you know, expect to see rust of some short sort after not playing every day, but he, he was diligent about getting on the wall and um, yeah. he's got a good left hand for not having, you know, played for his you know, college career up until this point. Um, but if you could get it, cause I, again, I feel like people are going to forget about this. McConvey's six, four, two, 10. And then you've got shuts who's yeah. six, three, um where's where's my guy shots again i lost him again in the roster i, I want to say 220 yeah 63 220 and we've got ricky at 62 235 they're actually trying to cut some weight from him but yeah i was i was about um, to pull the lars quote yeah do it it's my he favorite says, okay so this is lars on 
on Ricky. After a standout football career as a Stanford linebacker, Ricky could not be more excited to pick up a stick again and be back playing lacrosse. What we are gaining here is a caring man with a big heart, a man who also happens to bring to the field a howitzer of a shot and blazing speed. And unlike most of the roster, Ricky will actually be intentionally reducing his weight and max <laughs> lifts somewhat as he shapes his body into a downhill dodging and feeding offensive midfielder. Yeah. I, he's fast, guys. Like he's yeah. he's fast. I mean, you know, linebacker at Stanford is yeah. not. And it, yeah, know, it's yeah, Nick Jackson with a lacrosse stick. Like, I mean, right? I, if if you wanted to get if Nick Jackson was like, yeah, I played a bit in high school. I want to come out. I'd be like, absolutely, right, hundred percent. Um, yeah. So it's gonna be. I think that there's a ton of options, and it, it, again, we've said this already, but like the options that that gives. A, offensive mind like sean Kerwin is nothing short of exciting it's just going to be difficult to game plan against virginia yeah because you know it's the idea you cannot you really cannot short connor cormier dixon shuts and then maybe yeah. you don't short dixon the, the, the and fact, you, like you yeah. gotta put one on mcconvey the fact that they're a potential that a 60 goal scorer from last season in d1 college lacrosse is likely going to be getting a short stick um, right like i don't know what kind you do of there. ridiculous like maybe they they try and short dixon and or cormier off ball i think that peyton cormier has proven that if you put a short stick on him he will catch the ball with a short stick on him and will score the ball so i don't think that that's a reasonable and, and i think that xander short Xander and let's run two man games behind the net and just see yeah. what happens because I, I I don't think that there's I think Connor Jeff Connor is the guy that like probably will get the short I also think he can beat a short in just yeah. about any from the wing from X from up top yeah. if you get him on a sweep so I, I it's it's impossible it's 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 genuinely a very difficult um proposition for defensive coordinators for, for opposing defensive coordinators yeah. to because even to if you sh- even if you short connor which is i mean that, that's gonna that's definitely that's one where i'm like that's definitely gonna happen because like yeah. if you weigh the numbers and the stats and um then you still have a short unlike we said shuts mcconvey dixon right. maybe it, i mean i just don't <laughs> know if it's like I just, I would it's kind of Schellenberger and then not five other just like guys, but like five other guys who you have to decide between. Like Schellenberger's <laughs> getting the pole. Yeah. And then Sh- you have to Shelley's decide between pull. five. Yeah. You know? it's, wi- it's wild. Like I- I've got some sympathy for their plight, but not yeah. a lot. And it's, you know, it's going to be a matter too of like, I think that they've done well before of running picks and getting guys having yeah. to switch and, you know, create openings and, um, I still think there's a lot, and we can move on to you know middle of you know, whatever we want to do next topic. But yeah. um, this is my push for I, Cormier is one of the most criminally underrated players in the country year in and year out, and it's starting to really piss me off. Yeah, because like this is a guy that, and I think it's potentially he doesn't play super flashy, and he's you know the Ontario like you know Oakville Ox, sorry. Yeah, and it's gonna back people down. Sometimes I think I always tell my dad this. I was like. He usually he'll miss like his first two shots of the day and then he makes like the next four. <laughs> like his he's like his feeling role, out the goalie for a second and then he's like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> I think current like lacrosse it, the current iteration of like offensive lacrosse struggles to figure out how to analyze the goal scoring finishing attackmen. Yeah. Because everybody wants the Brennan O'Neill, Connor Schellenberger is just the guys who are gonna be beat you one on one, who you know very good players. Brennan O'Neill should not be on Team USA. Should be Connor Schellenberg. <laughs> um, Duke and should House not have been, Should not have been rookie of the year. Nope. Um, regardless. Um, or 2021, sorry. That, the, the type of attack when he's going to initiate your offense and be the guy. And so it's it's hard to analyze a guy like Cormier who scores 50 goals for one of the top teams in the country. Yeah. But it's like, it's all tough because it's it's not just Schellenberger. Yeah, whoever plays on attack with Connor Schellenberger is going to score a lot of goals because he's going to draw a lot of attention but yeah. sort of like I, I think that that's why sometimes he gets lost in the in in the mix of it all unfairly yeah. so um no respect no respect i rarely do i will rarely do the like oh they disrespect but i'm this is something i've been saying for like three years like why don't people talk about Payne cormier more? every yeah. single year preseason i'm like i feel like Payne cormier and then he does like he scores 50 goals and is still barely cracking honorable mention lists and i'm like i don't know what else you want this kid to do but anyway 
Yeah. Um, we'll go, we'll go middle of the field and then we'll save defense for last. I say, um, perfect. Just for a nice little transition. Um, when I say middle of the field, I primarily mean the face off X. Um, we brought up PD LaSala in the intro. He is back for his fifth season. He did not play in, um, I don't know if the scrimmage was Saturday or Sunday. He did not play against Georgetown. He was wearing a boot. Um, we're uncertain as of right now, as of recording, what to what extent he's injured. I assume we're going to have availability um, with Lars this week, and we'll find out the extent of that. Um, but importantly, the depth behind him is going to be an interesting conversation to have yeah. this season. Um, in Mac Eldridge, you have, I believe he's the number 10 incoming freshman in the country, top faceoff guy. And then you also have the experience of fourth-year Gabe O'Bron, who mm-hmm. potentially is going to redshirt this season. Um, according to Lars on the virginiasports.com website, in order to have him around next season when PD is gone. So I believe that that's probably, I, I you know, I've never really heard of that in college sports, but I think Lars is basically like, we're just going to redshirt guys because, you know, he's always talked about like, you don't want to be rebuilding a roster. You want to just be able to maintain, you know, and just reload. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that the plan is that he, he wants to get a grad. This is just going off of like one paragraph of what. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's like Lars one comment said. in the, yeah. And so maybe this is, you know, this is untrue, but that could mean that it's down to Eldridge and Lasala, but also point to their confidence in Mac Eldridge as a freshman for some context. He's six one, one ninety, um, a taller prospect than PD Lasala, only five pounds or only five pounds heavier, despite PD being six <laughs> inches shorter. Um, Nobody lifts more than PD. But that one too could be really effective this year, and I think that it it might give you sort of what PD hasn't had in his he had Justin Schwank in, in 2019 which yeah Schwank his credit um, but hasn't had since Schwank I can't say that name right but and, and Braun not Braun excuse me Eldridge could really bring that I think the wing play can be better this year just with yeah. more experience um, Jeff Connors the madman on grand balls can you get production from the long stick middies to replace the still hole that jared connors has left for this program caroline general thoughts on the face-off of it all yeah well first of all i love lars is just a hoot <laughs> the opening statement for lars on Lasala is he's still here for four years pd has proven to be the most dangerous well-rounded face-off man in the nation um and he's right like and i think we'll see you know pd will score a few goals here there he clearly has like the build and speed and um shape of a strong running back a strong and short running back um and he's he's been huge in huge moments for virginia um the i definitely worry always about just wear and tear on face-off guys so that's always the you know right which is why question. having that second guy <laughs> yeah. and why potentially redshirting braun could be questionable considering i think those are the only three listed face-off guys on the roster um yeah there's always someone who faced off in high school because there's just always someone who's faced off um but yeah i know the the wear and tear is definitely something to keep an eye on i do think p lasala is uniquely built to handle that um considering he can and and they say in there he doesn't want to deal with a like pitch count essentially yeah um who is ben wayer being back I ben think. Ware is back. Um, um, Scott Hooper will be the, the injury. The, well, I think he came back at the end of last year, but he's been banged up throughout his career. Yeah. I think he he tore he had some bad knee injury at the end of his freshman season, which was 2021. Um, but you have you have Hooper, I think, as a fifth year um, coming back. He's sort of the more if you combined Ben Ware and Scott Hooper and then added three inches, you essentially have um, Jared Connors, and that Hooper is probably more defense. Um, ground balls, tough defensive IQ, while his where who brings that to the table also adds offensive production a little bit. Um, oh, I don't see I, a Hooper. You don't on the roster? Mm-mm. Did I mess up the names? Scott uh, Bauer. Bauer. Scott Bauer. Yeah, I was like, Lord. I feel like this is no, no, Good you're, you're right. Because I was parents, thinking, I was like, the, oh no, the parents are going to be mad at me. I have to go change <laughs> this right now. Scott Hooper played for the UVA, right? 
I think so. I mean, the name sounds familiar, but I was like, oh, what's goodness. Cooper on he here? was 25, and I always mess this up. <laughs> oh, yeah, Scott Hooper. Yeah, 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 Hooper. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, goodness. Um, okay, you're well, fine. I'm you're editing totally the fine. article as we I speak. need them to put long stick midfielder in here again for me so I and can remember defense. who's playing. Yes. Um, oh, God, this is so bad. But right. I wonder, yeah, so the other person that I'm super, super excited to see, and I don't know how much playing time he's going to get or what it's going to look like, but. Um, Malachi Jones coming in as he's going to, per Tiffany, he's a, you know, um, he's grown as a disruptive long stick midfielder. Um, he could be a super fun one. Maybe it might not be right away, but like, this could be one that we see on the wings, um, like later in the season that could, you know, if he follows in some of the footsteps of the other long stick midfielders that grow into that position. And I think there's a potential that we see someone like a Ricky Mizan on the, on the face off wings as well, that, um, you know, has that size and strength. Ow, I'm getting attacked by a dog right now. Um, Maverick thinks my hand is a toy. So that's always fun. Um, I think Tommy McNeil, Richard Freshman, was another name um, who was mentioned amongst the scrimmage um, notes. Yeah. Uh, I, I forget which scrimmage that was. Um, that's another name to, to keep an eye on. Um, for other short stick D middies, Evan Zinn you know ridiculous yeah, he played a little bit of offensive midfield so i think that they're fully I, that, I believe they're fully they transitioning fully him to defense, defense that, that according to bars on the website um we'll see I'm, most likely we'll see zin saladay probably Jeff, those two Jeff maybe chismar well i was gonna say they'll take oh, a yeah. couple shots this season oh yes yes, yes. well and well, it will probably chismar i think goals. had a goal last yeah, year i believe definitely did yeah yeah um, I'm kicking myself about the Scott Hooper, Scott Bauer thing. <laughs> I think, I swear he wore 25 too and was a defenseman. Anyway, um, someone can, I don't know who would fact check. Chismar had a goal and three assists last week. Yeah, and he was an offensive midfielder in high school. Um, and I guess we can use this tr- transition to the defensive midfield. I, I mean, I think face-off, PD is probably, in terms of pure winning percentage, maybe second tier in the country. Um, he was eighth in faceoff winning percentage last season. In terms of the offensive impact that he brings, though, I think that notches his, him up into sort of the top tier of faceoff guys, yeah. just because that if he's winning, he won, I think, around 60% last season. If he's winning uh, 59.7% relative to. Dude, that's I mean, all you need from a guy. That's from, all you need. If you have a faceoff guy that's winning over 50%, you're happy as a clam. Because the other thing is, I don't think score any of that. Goals yeah. off of a it lot doesn't of take into account, and I don't know how it ever would or if it could or it doesn't really need to. But there's, and this might just be a gut feeling. There's, I'd be hard pressed to find many, maybe Weirman last year for Maryland, not the year before, on clutch timed wins like yeah Weirman PD was has a feeling year. on the pd has a feeling on the field there's been multiple games where hey virginia really needs to go on a run here and pd's winning six seven straight um yeah that type of thing and when you can get yourself even the 60 percent, when you can get yourself that many extra possessions comparatively um with that offense and having a defense Defense that's as solid as it should be this year like that's a huge huge yeah no and i think that eldridge should only add to that i think he might take a little while to transition into being well this is why bringing pd back is so valuable because you bring pd back for fifth year you get eldridge one year in the belt sort of being the second guy and then all of a sudden you you get three years of him as a starter braun as the backup next year um, and you can really sort of transition this well, um, which I think should only work well. I mean, looking at the top um, ranked faceoff guys last season, the only two on UVA's schedule, only two returners who were in the top 10, well, the only three returners in the top 10 who UVA plays this year um, are Michigan's Justin Wietfeld, uh, Weirman of Maryland, and then Justin Inasio of Ohio State, who I believe is returning. Um, and so, you know, Michigan on Saturday, that's something that we'll get into that will be interesting to see how PD fares and how Eldridge fares, um, in that game. That being said, we'll move to defense. Um, we brought up the LSMs, uh, Scott Bauer, not Scott Hooper probably (laughs) will be the top LSM 
Um, but splitting runs with Ben Ware, that's how they did it when those two were healthy last season. Um, Mitchell Whalen, a senior, was the third guy coming out of the box last year. I think McNeil and Malachi Jones will, should probably challenge him for that third spot. There's crazy pole depth on this team, yeah. though. Julie like, Airy has had a couple big plays in yeah. this time. But, I mean, and, if you're looking at the three starters, we're what? We've got Quentin Matsui. Um, yeah. Cole Kastner and Cade Sawstad. I am going to call one of them like Cole Sawstad and oh, yeah. Kastner like just 45 times this year. Yeah. But they bring back all three starting defensemen in front of Noons, who was, I think, just fabulous last year. Anytime you come in as a first year goalie having to try and replace Virginia's first ever two time. NCAA champion goalie, including the most valuable player, most outstanding player in yeah. 2019's title. He's, he's probably a, I mean, I was going to say like top three. He's top four all time amongst UVA goalies. Definitely it's one of those things five. that's really hard it's to do. It's impossible. Because, like, because you obviously want to say Tillman Johnson's number one, right? Kip. And then you're like, well, your Gittleman. coach is one of yeah. the best that's ever played it. But again, he's Adam Gittleman two. says that he thinks I think I, I believe I, I ran Adam Gittleman down last season after some game he was at. And I was like, what do you think of Matt Nunes? And I'm pretty sure that he said he's going to be the best goal in UVA lacrosse history. Like, and that's the thing is like now you've got Nunes, you know, it's a lot of pressure in your first year. I thought he did pretty He did great his first year. He had um, some bad and he had a couple of bad games where he got shelled. Every, that's every, also the fact that the defense got shelled twice yes. against Maryland and against Duke. So his save percentage was something like 49th in the country out of 67. That belies his impact though in the 10 man ride in the clear yes. he was both he was very he's comfortable a really good passer in both yep. of those yeah um and it also i mean he the number of doorstep stops that he yeah. made throughout that season where you and i were just like howling what? up in the press section <laughs> yeah um, he's like, uh he's, he's unbelievable it's just that consistency and it's it's also the defense which i don't think that you can fault him for but they lost Kologi. Connors and Road. Yeah, they struggled. There were a few things like they had some moments defensively last season, but they were not anywhere near as good as I expect them to be this year. Yeah. Um just everyone's from an experience and yeah. And there were injury issues on the back line last year. I think we saw games where Cade didn't play and yeah. Um and so he also I know has put in a ton of individual work this offseason. Mm-hmm. Um and he's, you know, he's always out there getting shots on him. I don't know the, um, yeah, because there's guys like Schutz and Schellenberger who always want to shoot. And so um, he's put in a lot of individual work. I know he ran, I've heard, I've seen like Instagram at or like whatever for camps that he's done. And um, oh, so yeah, he's worked really hard in the off season, which is what you want to see from, you know. Um, yeah. So I think that he'll have, he's, he's a really good anchor and excited to him yeah. um him back on the yeah no he'll he'll be sort of yeah he'll, he'll anchor that defense i think losing the connors in 2021 was obviously an insane just individual prospect but also just that leadership that that team had yeah. with road Kloji and connors losing that was huge um but i think that the experience and you mentioned injuries the depth is there um the depth is yeah. there they got Griffin Kologi, Kyle Kologi's younger brother. They said, yeah. oh, we went a year without a Kologi. Didn't go so hot defensively. Let's go get – they were fine last year. It was just that they got, you know, shelled by a, you know, historically good offense in Maryland and then just weren't elite, twice, really. I would say. Right, twi- <laughs> exactly, yeah. twice, yeah. Like, that'll um, really screw your, <laughs> exactly. your numbers up. And so – but I think that they have Griffin Kologi coming in. They have mm-hmm. the number two poll in the 2023. 2022 class incoming freshman um and john schroeder another six five dude um they also have uh george fulton coming back for his second year six six didn't play much last year but i expect him to be in the rotation of polls we mentioned jake uh gulary gulary um another senior like i think it's gulary gulary i think yeah i wrote the name like three times today and then still am missing up messing it up um but there's a lot of experience. There's a lot of sort of a young players like Kaloji, 
and Schroeder, um, who will be taking those spots from Sostad and Matsui likely when they leave after this season. Um, and so there's depth. I think in Cole Kastner, you have a just a, a game wrecker of, of a defensive like he, he's probably projected second team or third team all American by most outlets coming that's into the awesome. year. And I think that's completely reasonable. It's just that there's so many good lockdown individual defenders in college lacrosse right now. Um, but I think that he's right up there amongst the best having sauce that as a fifth year who just has ridiculous experience yeah. um, is going to be valuable. Um, I think I'm right. I think, I think Bauer and Matsui are fourth years who could come back for a fifth year, maybe next year. I think that's correct. Mm. I think they came in the year after the Natty. I think they came in 2020. I could be wrong. Um, I think they're Connor's class or Connor Schellenberger's class. Anyway, regardless, that that's next season stuff. But <laughs> it's next um, future us problem. Yeah, I, I think that this defense can be a lot better with Sauce as that leader, yeah. Kastner sort of the shutdown guy. Matt Sui is good against certain matchups, smaller attackmen, um, and, and I, I think that this this group will only get better they have very good short stick d middies very experienced yeah. they're gonna have five guys i think at least if you can run through there if you include jeff connor because you have Evan and i think Zen. that's a step up from last year right and i think that you know you have chismar and soliday chismar could be the best defensive midfielder of this group um <laughs> i think I, I think soliday is very good i think at times he got picked on a little bit last season um some of that is that he's he's the first of the two shorties, so he's typically taking the tougher matchup. Um, but Chismar in his second year, those are probably going to be your starters, depending on how you count Jeff Connor starting on most wings. It's sort of, you know, it's all difficult in lacrosse because um, there's like 20 starters for each team, despite, you know, 10 guys on the field. Um, and then Zen and Danny Parker, like that's five right there who are all going to be, you know, solid and I think you have some other athletes on this team that you could throw in there. Um, I think John Islar, he was on the football team for a little while. Like he's a name um, that Lars uh, talked about that there's, yeah. there's, there's a lot of guys who they convert to playing short stick team. Maybe Mac Till is a, is a freshman, I believe who could um, has a, a solid athletic background. And we saw with Maryland last season the value of those short stick defensive midfielders and how good those guys can be. We're going way over schedule here. This is much <laughs> longer than we meant it to be. So let's get to the schedule. Yeah, I let's think... do a real rapid fire win yeah. loss. We don't have All to right. go full into. Uh -oh. Yeah. So we'll, maybe a little we'll... bit more on Michigan, but nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so UVA starts the season this Saturday against Michigan, noon in Clockner. Michigan's an underrated team. They bring back they a are. lot of scoring. They they had an attack that was. Um, up there and sort of total goals and assists last season play a high pace have a good face-off guy as I mentioned Josh Sawada is a really good attack man Josh Sawada yeah um, I think uh, in having some conversations with a uh, good friend Anish Shroff friend of the pod Anish yeah. Shroff um, what they have more of this year are experienced midfielders they have some really good attack men, but they've got a little bit more in the midfield to support them this year so yeah. this is not going to be an easy opener i, I still I'm, i still oh my gosh maverick relax um they've been asleep all day by the way everybody <laughs> like literally yeah. all day until i started recording anything um but i think this is a game that i won't i don't even want to say like a loyola i'm not saying they're like loyola good or loyola tricky especially when it's when we're talking about loyola pat spencer loyola yeah um but just in the sense where it's like hey if this ends up being something that's like 12 9 don't freak out like i think that right, would be right. like a you know i think something in the like 14 to 11 range maybe where yeah this is me without having seen anything i don't know if you know pd not playing in the scrimmage is worse than just a precautionary thing or whatever else but um i think this is one that across the field Virginia should win their matchups. Yeah. Um, but Michigan is not a pushover, easy opener type game. Um, and it's probably a team like some people are, I think they're receiving votes in the top 20. Yeah. They're in that. And sort of it's a team that is kind of a dark horse to make the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it's curious to see you actually, Virginia plays a handful of big 10 or a handful, I think maybe just two or three technically three uh, four. Options. They play four, four. Yeah. I was gonna say like they play a handful of the Ohio State, uh, yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah. Ohio State, yeah. Hopkins. They realized that strength of 10. schedule. The ACC was bad last year and said, okay. <laughs> I mean, we'll Syracuse Ivy's dragging team. it down. All right, um, but yeah, so I think this is Michigan's a good team. This is going to be, I think, a relatively close opener. 
I don't want to say like I don't think I don't think that Virginia will lose it, but it's not outside the realm of possibility if that's if there's any rust or if there's any you know yeah whatever. I I think this is probably close for two and a half quarters. Yeah, and then I think I, I'm edging more towards like a fifteen to nine win. We're just sort of the, the you know yeah. sort of like that Brown first round game last year where it was yeah. close for a while and, then and pulls then away the and offense then... just kind of said oh right this is how we do things yeah um next up following week in clockner um against an ivy opponent in harvard sort of a similar type of opponent sort of like near like in a tough conference um harvard could probably they're they're ranked aren't they i think yeah they're i believe so um yeah I think they're in like sort of like the 13 to 16 range in yeah. most polls. Um, I honestly don't know a lot about uh, what are they, the Crimson? Is that what they are? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I don't know a lot about them, but the Ivy has been good of late. And, and yeah. you know, this, I, or I believe we've been this, told, we've been told. So we've good. been told by, you know, the, you're you were dead Elitists. on. 13. They are 13 in the preseason poll, okay. and we didn't mention this at the beginning of the beginning of this, but Virginia is number one in the preseason poll. Yeah, it, so they're well, going to be getting everyone's by, best shot. And then, yeah, inside Sorry, lacrosse, inside I think, the media poll, the coaches right. poll, they're second or something. Because everybody, yeah, um, Harvard. I think that this is sort of a similar category of of a game, like close win. Probably it's at home. Um, you'd expect this team to to win that game. Um, I I'll say this is like more in the sort of like, yeah, 14, 11, 15, 12 range than Michigan. Yeah. Um, just off of sort of reputation. I need to do more research into these opponents, undoubtedly. Um, and then, you know, it continues to ramp up with Ohio State. Virginia number heads 11. down to Naples, Florida. Yeah. Um, against number eleven, Ohio State. Tough defense, tough yep. close defense gonna match up well against the UVA attack. The game is on Big Ten Plus, which is gonna be really fun that we have to buy that Great. for a game um pay for that now yeah uh <sighs> if they go three and oh with these first three games i think that that's, that's impressive huge yeah like i i don't this is not your vmis or you know mm. vermont when they weren't good or whoever else they put richmond when richmond was mediocre at best um this is they're getting right into the meat of their schedule they're not taking on any you know they're, they're trying to pick up good wins you know, and, yeah. and, and, you know, there's not that they typically have bad losses, but you know, the, these are legit games to start the season. Um, I think Ohio state's going to be close. I think they're going to, yeah. I think they're going to give this offense some, some troubles. Um, we saw last year that if Connor Schellenberger couldn't win his one-on-one matchup, things kind of just fell apart for the offense. I think. Yeah. And, and there were just times like you don't expect it to happen, but there were times when that happened against Maryland against Duke um when i mean he he was also banged up so like we got to give him like yeah. he just got by the end of the year he was just you know getting yeah wailed upon by opponent you know it's just it was unfair but um early in the season hopefully connor can sort of come out hot um maybe be this guy against ohio state and 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 pull out a close win but i don't know it's gonna be tough uh probably well, their first get... warm weather game though yeah well yeah well yeah florida yeah um and then you go straight into number 20 richmond yeah uh richmond's always been i think a t- i think a tough out Did they lose that game last year yeah yeah they, they yeah. lost on the richmond. road that was their third um regular yeah. season loss along with duke and maryland i think yeah. that game pd got hurt yeah. i believe that was a real and, weird game i remember watching that and one. it was fluky and connor went like one for ten shooting despite yeah. coming in and being like a 45 percent shooter which in lacrosse for an initiating sort of like playing on the perimeter type of offensive player is ridiculously high yeah um i think it was a little bit of law of averages a little bit of just being banked up i think sauce dad was out for that um they yep. also went and poached griffin Kloji from them to say yeah not be guarding any of our attackmen with griffin <laughs> yep. um it's it's really a very this this first first four opponents are very sort of similar analysis like they're better they should be better but lacrosse is fluky you yeah. know if if certain balls bounce certain ways then um they could lose i still think that they start four and oh i still think yeah. that they I, I still think that they win this game it's at home it's not at richmond they don't have to drive the hour um yeah i think they win this one this year i'm not and i 
I think, I think Richmond lost first... some some guys offensively because they had some goal scorers last season. Um, that, that I believe one or two have have left again. Obviously, my knowledge of these sort of like mid tier uh, AC, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that. Teams. Yeah, I'm calling that a win. I think I call the next two. So out of the first, Michigan, Harvard, Ohio State, Richmond, Hopkins, Towson, I think they probably drop one of those somewhere. It'd probably be Ohio State. Out of the first four games. So I I would would not be super surprised. I would be surprised, but not like, oh my goodness, the sky is falling. If they lost to Harvard or Ohio State, Um, especially Ohio State with that being that weird neutral spot. But um, then having the Richmond Hopkins tout and this is not the Hopkins of your father um no. uh they are receiving votes and I think probably trending upwards from last year but this isn't the same that we would see from they like beat Jacksonville this weekend they, they did. beat Jacksonville they did they're back um, they're back baby I mean I've already seen a graphic that says oh Hopkins same, yeah. back yeah so you know whatever um I like that the Towson game is here um yeah those are always a little bit tough when you go to Towson no matter what um and then the big the big stretch they get that those uh, those three maryland games in a row yeah they've got those three teams from maryland but that stretch afterwards maryland notre dame duke um excuse me so maryland's coming to charlottesville then they go on the road to notre dame for their first of two games against the irish and then they host duke for the first of two games against duke um so they have duke and notre dame twice this season whereas last two seasons they've had syracuse and carolina twice yeah. um which were easy wins but hurt the resume right i mean like i said virginia's number one this roster is really good i think that they will be playing on memorial day weekend i do 100%. i think that's the expectation it has um they might go two and one or one and two in this stretch and none of that is a i think that if they split the season with notre dame and duke yeah um they're that'll be totally fine uh, mm-hmm. getting a win over Maryland here would be awesome for a billion reasons, but, uh, it's also it's, not it's great one that it's in Klockner. I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad that they're not doing DC thing again. No, um, I'm sure that's great, but like, that's just a, that's a Maryland home game. Yeah. That's you a know, like, game. that's, you know, if and it's impossible. It, it's like really hard to see on the TV. Yeah. Like the, I remember the feed being awful. Yeah. And then the um, Maryland freaking cameras are always like, it's in the, it's at the top yeah. of the stadium. Anyway, um, I think go. they, I think they're gonna. I, I think this, see, this, the, the start of the season is gonna go very similarly, similarly to last year, where UVA and Maryland come in one and two into this game. I think it's bold to say that UVA will win its first six, considering I believe it's six. Yeah, considering um, how tough those opponents are, I think they will though. Um, I think you only have one true road game and it's at Hopkins. Um, that's sort of like a Virginia tech, like road basketball game where it's like, you know, tough environment, all that jazz. I think yeah. they win that. I think they're going six. Oh, I think they're going to lose to Maryland by three goals. Cause the Maryland defense is going to expose UVA offense from maybe not quite being what it will be come Memorial day weekend. Um, and then I think UVA goes and spanks Maryland or spanks Notre Dame on the road. Um, Interesting. I think Notre Dame gets all the love, man. They get all and the all the love, and I think that their offense is fraudulent. There's it a always lot has been. Of, I think a lot of the love that they're getting right now is partly based on this idea that they're going to be all jazzed up from getting spurned last year and not making the tournament but if they wanted to make the tournament last year i mean they probably should have played like more than 10 games in the regular season then right like um so there's a lot of it that's like oh and they didn't they add one didn't they have the transfer who does dordovic play for now is he a georgetown that's georgetown they added i believe they added Um, um chris fake defensively they're gonna be good on defense yeah um, they always are as they always always are one of those like nine to seven games or something right um, um and they always have a i think they've got two kavanaugh's this year yeah um, well they did last year but those guys are older they're they're a junior and a sophomore now i believe um uh, yeah pat and chris senior and a sophomore okay um carolina they, is uva gonna beat duke this year i mean they're two i think they beat him in one of them yeah do you think beat him at home i think, or they, in Durham? I think they split um 
home and like the home team wins. Each. Yeah, I kind of agree. They, they I am less. Own. I think that the way that the two teams have trended in the past couple seasons favors Virginia, but in the long run, it doesn't matter until Virginia actually starts beating them, which they yeah. haven't done, you know, outside of what two two times in the regular season the last like whatever I, yeah so they've won they won against them in 2010 in the ac championship game yeah and then lost them in the semis that year i know and then they beat duke in the semifinals of the 2019, 2019. yeah time that crazy comeback i believe UVA lacrosse has beaten duke three times since i was born Oh my god! In the and regular season won, or just ever? Just overall? I think ever, and I and they've won five national championships in that time span. So they have won national championships more than they have beaten Duke in my lifetime. It's I believe that's me. correct. It drives me insane. So um, I think that this roster much favor you know better favors them than the last couple seasons. It yeah. still is going to matter, you know. Connor and Matt Moore were banged up for that game. Connor Schellenberger and Matt Moore were both injured for that game last season. That was one of UVA's three losses. I agree with you. I think they split them in between um, UVA playing Duke two out of three weeks. They have North Carolina on the road. Yeah. That will be a win. Um, They play Syracuse in Charlottesville after that second Duke game. That should be a win. That should be a win. They go to Lafayette. They go to Easton, Pennsylvania. That should be a win. I don't know what that's Is that about. the face-off guy, though? Cicel, is yeah. that Cicelberg? No, right. that's, no, that's, no, 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 that's, that's, that's Lehigh. That's Lehigh. Yeah. Um, that will be a win. And then they face Notre Dame at home on April 30th. Um, I think they will also split with Notre Dame, as you said. So I think I have them having three regular season losses again this season yeah. um, with – maryland and then splitting notre dame and duke if they it could be four with those first six games that are tough um this is a good schedule this will probably this will be top five in strength of schedule this is a tough schedule i think that they'll host a first round game i think they'll be like the like the three or the four seed in the tournament because i think georgetown will beat up on the big east and they'll be yeah they'll be one or two and then I don't know. Maryland's tough. Maryland's hard to analyze because they're, 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 they're lost- I need to see more. I need to see more of them before I'm like super confident. So, lost- so yeah. as a reference for people listening, they're playing the number. So they're over the course of the season in the preseason poll, they're playing number two, Maryland, number five, Notre Dame twice, number eight, mm-hmm. Duke twice, uh, number 11, Ohio state, number 13, Harvard, um, number 19, North Carolina, number 20, Richmond, and receiving votes, Syracuse, Michigan, Hopkins. Uh, Hopkins. So the so, only teams that you did not list there are Towson and Lafayette. Yeah. So, so that's, that's a, it's a tough, tough schedule this year, um, right. which is fun. You know, there's a lot of really fun games in Charlottesville. Hopefully people will come out, um, yeah. get, Sir- anytime you get Syracuse, Notre Dame, and Duke, and Maryland all in Charlottesville, like that's awesome. Plus, yeah, adding um, Harvard or Michigan on top of it, like those aren't like you know this is not a knock to the high point, like high point coming in for like a Tuesday game because those were always like really close and all that crazy nonsense. But there's no like super weird Tuesdays. Um, actually, yeah. the Hopkins game is a Tuesday, which is hilarious up there. Um, but yeah, it's all it's the, big Saturday games. And if you're coming uh, to Charlottesville for any, you know, we've got this weekend, February 11th um, is the same as the Duke basketball game. Is that right? Yes. Is that Doubleheader. what's coming up? So it's a noon Michigan lacrosse, you know, four o'clock Duke basketball. And mm-hmm. then you're getting a doubleheader on the 18th as well, I believe. Yeah, there's going to be a number um, and, number of doubleheaders on yeah, Saturday, March fourth. Right, yeah. Richmond. They don't know a time yet, depending on when that yes. horrible Louisville game is. But right, so yeah. you can come watch a better game with UVA lacrosse, and then depending on if it's before or after with UVA Louisville, you can go to Senior Night and see the Who's beat up on the Louisville Cardinals. Not I think that closes that. out Terrible. our preview. Caroline, do you have a? Are they going to win the national championship? When are they going to lose? Are they going to lose in the NCAA tournament? Uh, it's so hard to do that without seeing a single game, obviously. Um, but season started. I Maryland know. won by like seventeen against somebody. <laughs> um, somebody just fell down in another room. Um, sure, why not? They win national championship. I think they can do I, it. I think they're going to beat Maryland in the national championship game. Oh my god, that'd be 
awesome. It's going to be some revenge. It's going to come down to who has to play Georgetown in the semifinals. Well, um, you know what? Here's the thing. I thought that in 2019 as well. Yeah. I was terrified of that game. Yeah. And that I, still Georgetown, was a very good defensive team. Yeah. That was that Georgetown team was a good team. That game was absurd. Why? Wow. I mean, they did Georgetown have as if Notre Dame was still in the Big East. Like that's what yeah. it is, basically. So, yeah. Um, but yes, that defense and um, yeah, maybe Georgetown got Chris Fake. Anyway, um, <laughs> my knowledge of these other teams is suspect, hey, but still, you know, it's early February. It's early February. I'm I'm writing. I'm doing basketball. The cross shouldn't start for three weeks. It's too cold. Um, regardless uh we will be back in two weeks to talk yeah. about michigan and harvard um if they go zero and two that will be interesting to talk about um but yeah i i think this will be fun this year uh get some lacks on the podcast feed rather than just having it be the last five minutes of each basketball podcast in march yeah um we'll try and do this consistently uh, we will try and keep it shorter next time. Um, <laughs> sorry, Pierce, who will be editing this. Uh, no, fun. it's not going to hit the delete. Just, yeah. whoops, I lost the file. Like, sorry, still sick. Um, anyway, thank you all for listening. This has been a Cobble Together podcast of Zach and Caroline and Caroline's dogs. Um, yeah, sorry about that. Talking about lacrosse. <laughs> it's just part of the show. It's, it's the all... first UVA lacrosse podcast ever, <laughs> We're I believe. We're all doing our best. Right. Um, Thank you all for listening again. Stay tuned to the Streaking Lawn podcast. I should say, if you are interested in advertising with the Streaking Lawn podcast, DM me on Twitter, email me at zach.carry at streakingalon.com. It's pretty cheap for podcasting. We have a local focused audience. Um, let me know. Touch base with me. I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, we're trying to incorporate that into our podcasting in the very near future. Again, thank you all for listening and go Hoos.